how many will not cook under any circumstances? And it would be better for the whole family. Well, we're wrapping up the series this morning, Worldview, Your Worldview. And we're going to deal with the last of the message of the series. Do not forget that Wednesday night we have the one-hour communion service. I pray that you'll be here. We consider it a sacred moment when we share communion together and as we give God thanks um, and enjoy the fellowship of the Lord. We're grateful to have our online audience. They're scattered all over the world. Uh, We know that a lot of them are scattered right up in the mountains right now and uh, enjoying the abundance of God's goodness there and a little cooler weather. And my sister uh, went into Gatlinburg yesterday and she said, boy, the streets and sidewalks were packed. And she said, and I saw very few individuals wearing a mask. She said, with all the masses of people, I said, is that right? And I said, that's, uh, that's a person's prerogative to do that. Uh, the bottom line is we still have to pray because we are still dealing with a pandemic. And we know that, that God is going to help us through that. Uh, let, me, let me say again uh, that John Jerevac, who's 80 years of age, went home to be with the Lord. His coronation service again is going to be Wednesday right here in the, in the sanctuary. Visitation is at 11 and the service is going to be at 12 noon. John loved uh, the Dream Center and any, uh, in lieu of flowers, we'd like for you to give in John's honor to the Dream Center. So please keep that in mind. Your friends of Deanne or John plan to be here this uh, Wednesday. The, uh, how you look at the world is your worldview. It may not be right, might not be wrong, may not be what others agree with, but it's your worldview. And then the reality is your worldview may be all wrong unless your worldview is based upon the foundation principles of this book. And if it's not, this message might help you today. Christianity is more than what some people would call a religion. Christianity is a worldview. This is how you should behave. This is how you should conduct your life. And you see, if we want to be followers of Christ, and we are, then it's important that we do as he did. Now, why does it matter? Some of the questions that we've looked at, why does it matter what I believe? Because your internal destiny weighs heavily upon it. And why did God create the earth? And we talked about uh, creation, and you were known to God from the very foundations of the earth. And then last week, we talked about how in the world did the world get so messed up? How did it get so messed up? Uh, I know some messed up people, friend, but how did the world get so messed up that, that for example, we don't honor prayer, and in God, we all of those things, I'm saying, God, what in the world? And we know the answer, don't we? A little three-letter word is called S. Now, how do my beliefs change my behavior? I was born into sin when I was born. I was born not knowing Jesus. I was born to behave in my flesh. But sooner or later, I had to get to the place that I said, all right, my behavior is not conducive to a Christian, and I want my behavior to change. So if I want my behavior to change, I have to take a look at what I believe. 
And 1 John 2, 6 says, anyone who says he is a Christian should do what? Read it with me. Should live as Christ. Come on now, we're weak on that. Let's do it again. Anyone says he is a Christian, let's say it together. Should live as Christ did. Well, there you have it. Your plan for your life. If you say, I'm a follower, then here's what I know. I'm going to deny myself, pick up my cross, and I'm going to live as Jesus lived. Now, I'm going to give you about eight things or nine, eight or nine things that I think are important. So you might want to take your camera or take your phone and take pictures of the scripture or write them down. Number one, we are to live with discernment. How many of you know that the gift of suspicion and discernment are not the same? May I see your hand? How many would guess which, which male or female is better at the gift of suspicion? Anybody want to no, know? We're not going to ask. The gift of suspicion. Who better, who better demonstrates the gift of suspicion? But he's talking about a greater gift. It is the gift of discernment. John 7, 24. Don't be what? Nitpickers. How many know a nitpicker? Yeah, Lord, they pick everything apart. You give them one answer, they'll pick it apart. They, in life, nitpicker, just nitpick everything. My friend, stay away from a good old-fashioned nitpicker because you'll never be able to have peace with a nitpicker. Don't be a nitpicker, but use your head and your heart to discern what is right, and test what is authentically the truth. God gives us the gift of discernment. That means that we evaluate things. That means that things of value that are important, we test them, that we don't automatically accept the world's value. Well, because the news said it, or because the book said it, or because this person I know said it, I'm not just going to accept it. I'm going to discern it and I'm going to put it to the test of what the Bible says. And so Paul writes in Romans, don't become so comfortable with your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. We are not to be nitpickers. And God doesn't want us to criticize everything. Have you noticed that? Oh, they don't know what they're talking about. And you become critical about everything. He gave us a brain and expects us to use it. And if we were to look at the four, first four books of the Bible, if we were to take a look at, at Matthew, Luke, and John, those first four books, who did we miss? Thank you for paying attention. The spirit of discernment told me to do that right there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first four books, here's what you're going to find, a phrase that Jesus uses a lot. And it's watch out. It's watch out. Beware. Be careful. Guard yourself. Because in every part of our life, we are bombarded by media and by culture that often is anti-Christ and does not honor Almighty God. Watch out, he says. There's an illustration I, I can give you. I can give you a little illustration about, you know, that culture can seep into your life. Okay, if I'm going to be a Christ follower, I want to live like 
Christ does. I want to I live like Jesus did. But I want you to know that some tunes are catchy. How many of you have ever heard of Garth Brooks? Anybody? All right, I want to ask one more time because I want to see the house lights are not totally. A, Garth Brooks, you ever heard of Garth Brooks? Uh, how many of you know that he is married to Eliza Jane? Everybody know that? Who? Trisha Yearwood. She has her own cooking show. Well, one of the songs that Garth sold millions, and some of you know the words, but you might say, okay, I listen to music, and you never think about, does that music fit into my worldview about being pure and honest and above reproach as Jesus did? This song goes, I've got friends in low places where the whiskey drowns and beer chases my blues away. I'll be okay. Now, how does that fit into the Christian worldview? It doesn't fit, does it? Does it fit? But oh, give me some Garth, bless God. And you get on there and they go for it. What I'm trying to tell you is it might be important for us to crank up the gift of discernment a little more so that when we hear stuff that does not fit the worldview of a follower of Jesus Christ, that we don't pick it up and run with it. Somebody say amen. Luke eleven thirty five. 35, make sure that the light you think you have is not really darkness. Number two, here's another, live with integrity. Integrity, what is it? Most people don't understand the word. They think it's a synonym with being honest and telling the truth, but it's not. You can, uh, my friend, you can, you can be a part of integrity, but integrity means more than I'm honest. Here's what it means. Integral, integrity means wholeness, altogether, not separated, not apart. What integrity and integrity means in your life is this. Here it is. You live the same way and talk the same way in church as you do where you work. You live and you act the same way at home as you do in your small group. You live and because as the whole, your life is not not compartmentalized. Oh, there's the Christian you, there's the church you, but then there's the golfing buddy you. No, you are integrity says your whole life is one of a whole. It's not compartmentalized. Luke eleven thirty six. And if you are willed with light or filled with light, with no dark parts, then your whole life will be radiant. In the first service, our screens over there, they have an automatic, I don't know how many it is, a thousand hours on the bulbs for those screens at a thousand hours. We don't know when it'll happen, but a thousand hours, they will go dim. In the first service, guess what happened? The thousand hours came up. 
and the screens went dim. And Peter Pearson and all those guys began to scramble. Unbelievable. What in the world happened? Well, the lights reached the thousand hours of service and they automatically went dim. Well, that's what they're supposed to do. And when they went dim, everybody in the first service knew it. But you can look today. <laughs> I love wearing dark clothes. I don't mind telling you. It's bright. Why? Because it's doing what it should do. We are to let our light in its fullness shine with the integrity of Jesus Christ. Enough said, say amen. amen. That's important. And then let me give you another one I think is important about humility. How many know somebody that is a humble person? Three of you. Humility. Now let me tell you what humility is not. I ain't no good. I'm just a weary pilgrim. I'm nothing but dirt. I just don't deserve anything or anybody. Bless his holy name. Almighty God. I don't mind being walked on. God didn't make you junk. If you have to say it, there's a lack of humility there and a big desire to have attention. You see, here's what God says. I want to tell you how much I love you and you're valuable of God's love. God, Jesus hanging on the cross, his arms are like, I love you this much, this much, not this much, but I love you this much. And false humility, friend, is a form of pride. Humility is this, it's dependence upon God. The more humble you are, the more you depend on God, and the less you depend on yourself. And you come sometimes in your life, you'll come to the conclusion, I can't do everything. The other day, Sharon gave me a jar that we got, I don't know, two years ago at some place in the mountains. She hands it to me and she says, open this. Now, I'm a preacher. My hands are tender. <laughs> I don't have any calluses. I turn a lot of pages. And she stood there. Now, no man likes to open a jar with the little woman standing there watching. Now, if you're a steel worker, you're a carpenter, Whatever the case, you can say, come here, baby, put your eyes on this jar. It's either going to open or I'm going to break the glass with this hand. I took it. You know when you try hard, but you don't want it to show? I told her to go get something off the counter. I thought to myself, this is what I thought to myself. You don't mind if I tell you, do you? 
I'm going to break this jar wide open before I'm going to let her see her man not open it. I shook. Oh, give me a rag, Sharon. I mean a towel. <laughs> we, use, we don't have any rags at the house. <laughs> sure, sure don't kill me for that one. <laughs> give me a towel. I need to get a better what? Grip. I got that towel. It was that miracle working towel. I grabbed that thing with determination. I took a deep breath. And I prayed in the spirit. <laughs> God, Moses wanted water out of a rock. All I want is for this lid to move just once. I grabbed that thing. My poor fingers hurt for two days afterward. I grabbed it and I, I don't know, but I had a Holy Spirit encounter when that lid moved. It just moved. I said, oh, I got you now, baby. I, I moved it almost till it was open and then screwed it back. And I said, I've opened it this much, baby. You take it from here. She took it and said, oh, the look she gave me made me almost want to say, Give me another jar. <laughs> Y'all with me out there? Here we go. We have to watch out for humility. So here's what it is. If you don't lean on the Lord through humility, pride is the opposite. It means you won't lean on God. You'll lean on yourself. And when you don't lean on God, you create stress. And stress is trying to control the uncontrollable. It causes you to get worried. You, you can control your attitude. You can control your response. But you can't control anything from next week. Because why? You're afraid. You have to control. Which shows having a desire to control shows a spirit, my friend, of fear. Number two, it's a lack of trust in God. If I, if I can't lean on the Lord and be humble instead of being that person, I can do everything... It's a lack of trust in God. And when you trust in God, your anxiety goes away, boldness comes out, and you have an anointing that goes beyond. You're always looking at things, if you're not careful, from a negative perspective. Look, look out for this. Watch out for that. You shouldn't do that. Listen, here's what he says. He said, you want stress or you want humility to lean on the Lord. Here's what he said. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And read the rest with me, and you will find rest for your souls. You'll find rest for your soul. Number four, live simply. Live a simple life. Do you know all the older homes, if you go in Hollinsworth, right around there, that most all the homes had a porch, front porch? You notice that? They actually have rocking chairs. And, and you know what it was? People, there wasn't so much the availability of media, television, etc. So people would come in and get on their porch and sit and rock, and their neighbors would come by and 
You call that the simple life. Not in much chaos. You know, the simple life. You know what the simple life is? Is without a cell phone. Do you know what I mean? The cell phone will test your salvation every day. Simple life. Sir, but I can't do without it. Oh my Lord, what did I do with my phone? God said a little bit of a simple life. Jesus loved the life of simplicity. But yet we know life is more competitive today than it's ever been. And we have more stuff, more stuff in our life to take away some of the stress. But the stuff doesn't do it. If you want to get in a great thriving business today, get in the business of the storage unit rental. Because everybody's got enough stuff they don't know what to do with. And eventually it'll hit a storage unit or the backyard. Luke 12, 15, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his stuff. People work in the first half of their life. They work the first half of their lives, sacrificing their health to get wealth. And the last part they spend the second half of their life using their wealth to get health back. Wow. Matthew 16. How do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? Now, things and stuff can edge God and time for him and his church can edge that out of your life because you got so many things that you're accountable for so many things you have to give attention to so much stuff you got to care about so many things that you have that you don't have time for prayer you don't have time for fasting you don't have time for meditation if you take a look at that and you'll say god Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take everything in my life that gets in the way of my focus on you. My friend, you'd be surprised what God would do and clean up. Then number five, we must live with possibilities. This is the day the Lord hath made. Finish it up. I rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord hath made. The just shall live by faith, and without faith it is impossible to please God. Whatever is not of faith is sin, and according to your faith, it says, it will be done unto you. So what's God's word saying? If you believe in the Lord Jesus, you have unlimited possibilities. Unlimited. You are more creative and innovative than anybody in the world because the Spirit of God resides in you. Matthew 19. With God, everything is possible. If you believe it, shout amen. Everything is possible for him who, what? Believes. So God, nothing is impossible as long as I'm remaining humble in you. Nothing is out of reach. Now, you have to be discerning, and you have to walk by faith. One of our staff members, as soon as this service is over, he's going to get in his vehicle, and he's going to head to Stone Mountain on purpose. He has two or three little children, probably a fourth one on the way. And he said, 
and to me in a prayer. Oh, I'm praying that the kids will just behave and be good on our eight or 10 hour journey to Stone Mountain. I pray that, that they'll be good. I said, you can forget that prayer. There's no use praying a prayer God's not gonna answer. Number one, the kids know who their daddy is. Why should they behave? Don't pray that prayer. He said, oh, well, I guess not. But I gave him another prayer, another option. I said, pray that God will give you discernment, give you wisdom, and give you patience, and give you understanding when the kids are behaving like her side of the family. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, that prayer God can answer. God can answer that prayer. But the first one, he's probably not going to. So everything is possible. I prayed the prayer, and the kids acted up. Really? They behave like kids. Are you with me out there? You can be more creative and innovative because the maker of the universe resides in us. Number six, you must manifest hospitality. How many like hospitality? How many really don't? You don't give a rip about hospitality, you know? I don't, I don't, I don't need it. Thank you for that hand over there. Well, what is hospitality? Here it is. You ready? It's love in action. It's practical love. I want to be hospitable to you. You see, it's love and hands and feet. Our American culture today has virtually ruled out genuine hospitality. So we go out of our way to be able to help and become relational to someone. Hospitality. Hospitality is going to those family reunions and Thanksgiving gatherings with parts of the family that you don't like. Individuals that come, you know they will always come. And when they know there's going to be 25 at the Thanksgiving lunch or dinner, they bring a little, little bowl of of jello about this big and bring it as their family's contribution to the Thanksgiving table. And usually you know who they are. There, there's the bowl of jelly right there, all six of them. And then the plate, a plate table is loaded. And you know that the first ones in line are going to be those. You know who they are. And let me tell you how to get around that. They're going to be there and they're going to load their plate up. Well, pastor, am I supposed to be hospitable? Absolutely. Just but when you pray, it's all right to walk and pray. As you pray, you walk in Jesus' name over to the head of the line and you position yourself there first and you pray. And when you give the amen, they're not even close to you to be first to load the plate up. Well, I thought I was going to be hospitable. Invite the old people and the women to come first in the line. How many know what I'm talking about? So there you have it, hospitable. We understand that. We're going to be hospitable to people. Pete, how many remember me talking about Pete? 
How many have never heard of Pete? How many don't care about Pete? Well, he doesn't care whether you care or not. He's dead. But I met Pete at McDonald's. I get there at 5.30, old Pete to be there. He was about 90 back then. He didn't weigh 100 pounds, I promise you. His old clothes, he always wore a sweater, but it was not buttoned in sequence. He always had about this much of one side or the other hanging below the last button. How you doing? He just looked at me. He had squinty eyes, always had that, that yellow stuff in the corner of his eyes. Hair dishuffled. He sat there and he, he loved egg McMuffin, but he loved the McMuffin to be burnt. And I noticed that, oh, how's he going to eat that? Finally, I kept week after week after week after week, finally got to the place. May I sit with you? Why? Because I want to. Who are you? I said, I'm your breakfast partner. What's your name? Why? I said, well, I'm going to call you Floyd. Don't call me Floyd. That was my brother. My name Pete. Thank you, Pete. We got that resolved. Oh, I remember one morning, old Pete, it wasn't burned enough. He got up, took him a minute or two to get up and walked over there. I told you I wanted it burnt and took it to the best of his ability and threw it as hard as he could back into the kitchen and said, burn it. That was Pete. I kept working with Pete, though, kept sitting there, kept talking. He kept hiding and kept holding close to his chest. But Thanksgiving rolled around, and I told my grandkids, Sharon, let's take Pete a plate. I knew where he lived. So we took him a big old plate. Stood at the door and knocked and knocked. Pete wasn't coming to the door. His car was there. I knew he was there, and I kept knocking. Finally, he came to the door. What do you want? Not what do you want, but what do you want? Pete, I bought you a big Thanksgiving meal. Why? Because we love you, Pete. Christmas came. We did the same thing. My grandkids got into it. The next year, the same thing. Thanksgiving and Christmas. Found out what his birthday was. We bless Pete. Until finally, one morning in McDonald's, I had the privilege of leading Pete to Jesus. And he prayed that sinner's prayer. And I said, Lord Jesus, thank you. And when Pete died, I had the privilege of saying a few words. But the words that were more sweet than anything, I know without a shadow of a doubt that Pete gave his heart to Jesus. And it started with hospitality. Would you remember that? As you know, hospitality is like ringing that bell for the Salvation Army. It's like giving to the angel tree or to the dove tree. It's like, like being a part of, of Honduras and Nicaragua, all of that. 
We have to be hospitable. We have to be kind. A Time Magazine article, and I read it, and I'm going to quote it to you. Here's what it says, because they were finding that doctors and many in the healthcare industry a number of years ago, and even hospitals, got to the place that patients were just patients. Let's fix them and get them and walk in and walk out. But here's what it said. At Harvard and other medical schools across the country, educators are beginning to realize that empathy is as valuable to a doctor as a, any clinical skill. In other words, I can fix you, give you medication, but the part that was left out was the genuine care and concern to take time to talk to you about you and about your challenge. Wouldn't you think it would be unfortunate to have to teach hospitality to a hospital? Amen? To a hospital? You Wouldn't you think that'd be the place where hospitality flows? Here's what we know. Matthew 10, verse 41 it says, if you welcome a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will receive the same reward a prophet gets. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Finally, or one more charity, show love. Show love. If you want to be a Christian, live like Jesus. Have a lifestyle of charity. Charity is a big basket and in that basket, you're going to find forgiveness and mercy and kindness and graciousness. The greatest of these is love, is charity. God, I love you. I say, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Love. Now, position yourself. It's the holiday. It's Thanksgiving. It's Christmas. Be sure that your life is saturated with love and forgiveness and the benefit of the doubt. Be sure your life is filled with graciousness and understanding and discernment from God. Be sure that you cut one another some slack. Be sure that you allow the Holy Spirit to use you and be a gracious person, a hospitable person, and a person that, that is filled with love. In Matthew 5, I'm telling you to love your enemies let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. Somebody say amen. Would you stand and finally live in purpose? Live in purpose. Remember Jesus said, 12 years of age, I need to be about my father's business. His parents knew that. Those around him, I must be about my father's business. I want to do the will of the father. And so he ministered. And then in three years of active ministry at the end, hanging on that cross for you and me, illustrating all these points of character, he said these words, it is finished. It's finished. Paul said, I finished the course. I'm asking you to let your worldview be bigger than the atmosphere where you were raised, or bigger than your own personality type, or bigger than just your perspective. 
Let your worldview be based upon the Bible. Make some tweaks that are necessary for you to live like Jesus lived. And when you do, there are a lot of people out there that are struggling, that are struggling and really do need understanding and help. And you can be the answer to their need. And maybe you're here or maybe you're watching online right now and you say, well, I'm messed up myself. Most of us are messed up a little bit. But God is able to help us through the power of conviction and love. So I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads with me for a moment and let's repeat this prayer. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, look into my heart. Purify me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. I've made mistakes. I have judged incorrectly. And I have missed the mark in so many times in my life. But I believe by faith as I pray this prayer, I am forgiven. Now let me be a light that shines in the darkness. Let me be a person that lives Jesus' worldview. And let me honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together and let's thank God. And may God bless us and bless you. We're going to one more worship song and then have prayer. And and you're welcome to go. But may I remind you of Wednesday night. And then may I remind you of this. We're going to put Christmas decorations up. They're coming out today. And they'll hit it tomorrow and Tuesday. COVID, again, is a great thing to just say we blame COVID. COVID has no strength unless we bow to it. And so when it comes time to decorating the sanctuary, I want to say to the powers of darkness, we're not not going to do our best to represent Jesus Christmas here in Victory Church. We want every Christmas tree, every light, the manger scene and all that. We want it to talk about the love of God. But it won't happen unless some of you that maybe ordinarily would not do that. Some of you are regulars. But if some of you say, oh, they can do it. No, they can't. We're a little short on number, but we are big on spirit. So would you come out and help Tim and the and the others and be a part of that. Amen. I love you, everybody. God bless you. I'll see you Wednesday night. Cause your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendering now. I give you.
so much. Thank you for joining us online or in the room today. Join us back this coming Wednesday. Happy Thanksgiving week to you guys. We love you.